0: Greetings again, Gary Zacharias with The Apologist Bookshelf. I'm taking a second look at a powerful book by Scott Klusendorf called The Case for Life. If you are in any discussions with people regarding uh, being pro-life and pro-choice and the clash that occurs, and you want something that will ground your information and ground your discussion in, in quality, thoughtful uh, ways. You've got to have this book, The Case for Life, subtitled Equipping Christians to Engage engage the Culture. So I've, I've done an earlier podcast on a couple of chapters. I'm going to go toward uh, the back of the book, and it's interesting. It says, from debate to dialogue, asking the right questions. And he says, you know, there's a good way to handle uh, a discussion. He said, asking questions, he said, it can make a huge difference in your next conversation. And he references Greg Kokel. And uh, they're called the Columbo Questions. And I would again tell you just how much that book meant to me. That's Greg Kokel's book called Tactics. And that's a book that you really need to have, Tactics. They, they just came out with a 10th uh, year anniversary edition, so it's uh, got a lot more information. So I appreciate Scott Klusendorf. He used to actually be part of Greg Kokel's organization before he launched uh, off himself. By the way, other people have done that too. Brett Kunkel used to be part of Kokel's organization, Stand to Reason, and now he does MAVEN, M-A-V-E-N, as his own organization, uh, dealing with uh, families especially and kids and apologetics. And of course, uh, one of the, the big... Names of uh, Jay Warner Wallace, got his he got his start with Greg Kokel's organization. So I, I like Kokel's group because they've started a lot of useful, uh, powerful people who've gone out and made a difference for the kingdom in the area of apologetics. So he says, uh, let's take a look at these questions <clears throat> that Kokel has come up with. So I'm back to Scott Klusendorf's book here, uh, The Case for Life. So the first question, he said, What you want to do he said it's not to dominate when you're in a discussion it's clarity so he says when you're in a tight spot you're in a conversation and maybe you feel a little lost asking questions and asking questions are wonderful it it gains you information it keeps you out of the hot seat which is really good because if the other person makes a claim we can ask that person questions To challenge them in a way, in a nice way, but they're the ones that made the claim, so then they should answer that. So it gains information, keeps you out of the hot seat, uh, as they say, reverses the burden of proof, and it may help you figure out a an issue that you can then deal with that the other person has brought up. So I said, it's not tricky. You're just trying to clarify. You're not trying to dominate. So I said, ask a, a good. Columbo question, named after the, the famous old detective on television. So he now covers the three most important questions that Kokel covered. Number one, what do you mean by that? There's the clarification question. You're just trying to get more information about what the person has claimed so that you don't misrepresent the view. And so here's some examples of that. Somebody says to you, the Bible's been changed. Question, oh, How so? Now, you don't have to say the words, what do you mean by that, just how. How about this one? Pro-lifers force their views on others. Well, how do they do that? Embryos are just a mass of cells. What does that mean? Religious views don't belong in the public square. What makes a view religious? Science and faith exclude each other, right? They're they're, uh, contrasts. What do you mean by science? What do you mean by faith? So that's a great question, what do you mean by that? Number two, how'd you come to that conclusion? And that's a key question, isn't it? Uh, you can say it another way, uh, why do you believe that or how do you know that or what do you, why do you think you're correct? And so if somebody says to you, the Bible's full of fairy tales, why would you believe something like that? Thousands of women have died from illegal abortions. How do you know that? Christians shouldn't claim to be right. I'm curious why you think that. So a lot of questions uh, you can deal with, a lot of uh, claims you can deal with with that question. How did you come to that conclusion? And a third one is, have you considered dot, dot, dot? And so whatever is is relevant uh, uh, with this argument. So if somebody says to you, oh, everything is just an illusion. Well, have you considered if that's true, we would never know it? Fetuses have no right to life because they're not self aware. Why well, have you considered newborns aren't self aware either? So I like those. Those are three really powerful questions. Let me go through them real fast and then we're going to go into another section of Klusendorf's book. So, question number one what do you mean by that? Just asking for clarification. Number two, did you come to that conclusion? Or what's your proof? What's your evidence? That's what you're asking for. And number three, have you considered to get them to see maybe a shortcoming? in what they believe in. So he says, engage with questions. He says, you're better off listening with, uh, with your listeners with questions before you state your own position. So they give you some examples here. If somebody says, well, laws can't stop all abortions. What do you mean all? Do you really mean all or do you mean most? How do you know that most women wouldn't obey the law? Here's the second uh, claim. The Bible is silent on abortion, and pro-lifers should be too. Well, when you say the Bible is silent, do you mean the word abortion is not mentioned, or we can't draw any inferences from what's taught there? Help me understand your view. Are you saying that whatever the Bible doesn't expressly forbid, it allows? But the Bible doesn't directly condemn things like female infanticide or drive-by shootings. All right, so there's some questions there. What about number three? Here's another statement you may hear. Embryonic stem cell research is more promising than adult stem cell research. Oh, how so? What's your evidence for thinking that? So I like these. Here's another claim. Calling all cloning reproductive confuses two very different things. Therapeutic cloning to treat disease and reproductive cloning to make babies. Okay, question or statement? Tell me what you mean by cloning. How is the specific act of cloning different in therapeutic cases versus reproductive ones? So if the act of cloning is identical in both cases and results in a living human embryo, why am I wrong to say that all cloning is reproductive? Here's another thing. I've heard this more than once. Somebody may may make this statement. The unborn are human, but they're not persons. Key question. I bet you can think of the key question here. What's the difference Do you mean there's a group of humans whom we can set aside to be killed while others can't be? Why should anyone accept the claim there can be such a thing as a human that's not a person? Have you considered what your view does to the concept of human equality? Here's another challenge. Embryos and fetuses have no desire to go on living and thus have no right to life. When you speak of desire, do you mean one of which a being is consciously aware Why do you have to have a conscious desire for something before one can lay a claim to it? Okay, here's another statement. The pro-life view that embryos have value and a right to life is inherently religious. It's forcing the government to take a position on whether the fetuses have souls. Religious claims of this sort have no place in government policy. Question. What's a religious claim? Or here's another good question. Why is the claim that an embryo has value and a right to life any more religious than saying a teenager does? See, I really like what Klusendorf does. He takes the fetus and tries to ask similar questions of a child that's already here. For example, uh, I've heard him say this, that people will say, well, uh, those who don't have much money should have the right to abort a baby because it's, you know, they, they just can't afford it. And then Klusendorf will say, well, would you apply that same rule to a three-year-old? Three-year-old's getting kind of expensive. I guess we should kill it. Now, of course not. So he, very subtly, this works out a way to say the fetus does have rights. The fetus is part of the human family. Okay, back to some of these uh, statements here. Remember, this chapter is called from debate to dialogue. So somebody may say to you, All truth is socially constructed in language communities. That's the postmodern view, right? Do you mean we can't get outside language to know it's really real? Why do you think that? Have you ever considered if you're right that your own view is a construct of your language community? If that's true, why should I accept it? Wow. Do you see what's happening there? The person has just uh, committed uh, suicide in this thinking. That's called the suicide tactic that Kokel says, be aware of So many people arguing with you are going to uh, fall into this problem. Uh, They'll say things like, you shouldn't be so intolerant. Well, guess what? They were just intolerant to you. Yeah, so you've heard that one before. Um, Right-to-lifers are hypocritical to oppose abortion unless they adopt unwanted babies. Question, how do you know we're not adopting them? But suppose we're not. How does my alleged unwillingness to adopt a child justify an abortion as killing one? Yeah, good question. Here's another claim. Those abortion pictures you showed during your talk were faked and offensive. Really? Which ones and how so? What would real abortion photos look like? So again, he says, you know, the goal is to engage your critics, not silence them. Stop worrying, he says, about winning a debate. Just keep asking good questions. So why deal with all these fantasy issues? Uh, Koko says, don't take up the defense when the other person is the one making the claim. Why let them off easily? So the next time you hear that embryos are just a hunk of cells, don't run for cover. Step up and say, why would you believe that? Next thing you know, he says, you'll be back in the driver's seat. And so at the end of this chapter, uh, he has helpful resources. One is from Koko, Tactics. There's even a DVD and a workbook as part of that. And I would, uh, one more time, I would just strongly recommend anything coming out of Greg Kokel's organization called Stand to Reason. If you go to str.org, short for Stand to Reason, str.org, or one 800 the number two, and then the word reason. Everything that they put out is wonderful. So I appreciate Scott Klusendorf for uh, honoring Greg. Another resource is Steve Wagner has a book called Common Ground Without Compromise, 25 Questions to Create Dialogue on Abortion. that's Stand to Reason again. There's the third book, David Lee and Stephen Wagner, Abortion from Debate to Dialogue, a, a Justice for All exhibit guide. So Justice for All is a great organization too. So once again, this is a Scott Klusendorf's book, The Case for Life, wonderful book, needs to be on your shelf if you're thinking at all about Getting into social media or just talking to people about the abortion issue, you can come across as a thinking pro-life person and making some very simple arguments and claims that will just uh, devastate the other side. But remember, you don't want to devastate them in the sense you just want them thinking about what they're taking on uh, from what they're hearing in society. So thanks. I appreciate you uh, listening to this podcast. And I'll be having another one really soon. Thanks. Take care.